following podcast is brought to you by Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Disclaimer, this podcast is about to spoil several movies from 6 to 20 years old. Lou, read off the list. Today, Robots vs. Dinosaurs will be spoiling for you, the listener, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Wally, The Land Before Time, WandaVision, Ted Lasso, Short Circuit, Jurassic Park, Get Out, Looper, X-Men, Apocalypse, Severance, Family Matters, The Da Vinci Code, Mythic Quest, Fight Club, The Eternals, Venom, Groundhog's Day, Spider-Man, Batman, and Stargate. Hello and welcome to Robots vs. Dinosaurs, the podcast where we watch a movie or a TV show and then try to determine which one is cooler, robots, dinosaurs, or hippopotami. Hippopotamuses? Ooh. Is it hippopotamuses or hippopotami? I think it's hippopotamuses, I okay. think, but I would say hippopotami. This is so funny because I thought about this earlier today about a different word, but go yeah. on. Uh, well, with me as always, uh, you just heard his voice, is my co-host, Ryan T. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Hey, good to be back. Uh, yeah, we're going to be talking, uh, what are we going to, what, what show are we going to be talking about today? Well, we just so happen to be talking again about Moon Knight. This time it's episode four, The Tomb. The Tomb. Uh, awesome. We are going to be talking Moon Knight theories. We're going to be talking about our hippopotamus hypothesis. Uh, we got a lot to yeah. talk about today. And we got another piece of hate mail uh, to read on air. So keep sending those in, listeners. Um, I love all the haters. <laughs> uh, the, this episode was directed by Justin Benson and... Um, Aaron Moorhead and no, I'm sorry, directed by Justin Benson, written by Aaron Moorhead and Alex Minahan, uh, stars Khalid Abdallah. He, I looked him up, um, is the avatar of Osiris. I think his character's name is Salim, but on IMDb it just says Osiris. Mm. Um, Lucy Thackeray is back. Uh, that was Donna from episode one. She's back. Yeah, Um, she's also coming back, Anne Akinjarin and David Ganley. Uh, these are Bobby and Billy, the two agents that work for Arthur Harrow, maybe. Or maybe they work in a, in a mental asylum. We'll find this out. Freaking clue. Uh, this episode starts with an upside-down shot of um, this character. I'm pretty sure his name is Salim. That's what I wrote down last week. But he's carrying the the Khonshu action figure and uh, he places it on a, sh- on a shelf. The camera sort of writes itself up and, go- and goes 180 and uh, he places the Khonshu action figure on a shelf with other god statues and there's a lot of them. I was That, that really struck me was like how big the shelf was and how many shelves there were and how many god statues there were. What did you make of that? Me too. No, I thought the exact same thing. I was like, okay, so he's placing this stone figure of Kanchu on this like shelf with all these other ones. So is there, they trying like making a, like a collection of all these different gods? Mm. Or there, is there a purpose for them being, I, I mean, is there a purpose for them being collected? Or are they all just done bad things? Or is there actually more to this? Are they trying to get them all? I, I, I don't know. I just, I think the fact that we see Osiris carrying it is notable. We talked a lot last week about uh, how I feel about um, this avatar of Osiris, and I think he's on Arthur Arrow's side. So I think this has something to do with it. Also, 
the in the very first episode, Stephen mentions that when they're um, looking at the poster of the Ennead, there's supposed to be uh, seven gods, and there's only five. No, there's supposed to be nine, and there's only nine. seven. So right. I I feel like this council of gods. Um, but has then, been, but uh, then also, then when they have the trial, there's only like five there. Yeah, yeah, and there so should like, there should definitely be more. So I feel yeah. like yeah, this council of gods. Maybe like it's Osiris's sneaky plan that um, they're trapping away all of these more powerful gods so that they can be the, they can consolidate their power so they can be the only ones that have the power. Mm, yeah, and then make some super Voltron god, you know, mm-hmm. with all uh, powers. That'd be interesting. Yeah, it would. <laughs> um, when that, I would say, okay, so then we get the opening credits, and then uh, it's. Uh, Layla driving this, uh, or yeah, Layla running away from this truck that's trying to uh, gun her down. Her and uh, uh, it's Steven at the moment. And (laughs) they roll down a hill. Um, She fights this truck. She throws a flare into the into the back of it where uh, they have like their ammo belt because they're shooting this like turret from the back of the truck. And it goes boom. Yeah, I, that flare is like Layla's weapon of choice in this uh, in this show. <laughs> she breaks out that flare. I mean, later on, she kills the, you know, mummy guy. She uses it to blow up uh, Harrow's guys in the car. Mm. There may be more. I don't know. But even so, two is a lot. <laughs> Cause I've, used, I've used a flare zero times as a weapon in my life. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good, it's, you know what, it's, it seems like it's a pretty effective weapon, uh, the way she wields it. It's worked, it's worked great for, you know. Were, were you also getting strong, um, uh, Jurassic Park vibes when she was like standing next to the truck, holding the flare up, like daring the truck to like come and run over, over? To God honest truth, I wasn't, but now that you mention it, yeah, totally, absolutely. And I just watched Jurassic Park too last week. I should have, like, Jurassic Park, but. Hey, uh, movie never gets old, uh, in my opinion. That is um, a movie. That is what? That is a movie you can watch anytime. Jurassic Park. I I know this isn't about Jurassic Park, but always give Jurassic Park props. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is robots versus dinosaurs, so we are of course concerned yeah. with Jurassic Park uh, perpetually. Um, so. The Layla basically saves the two of them. She saves herself and and Mark slash Steve. Uh, Steve wakes up and Mark and Steve have a fight over who should be controlling the body. And uh, Steve's parting shot is very funny. He says, listen, if I need a recipe for a protein shake, I'll call you. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) that is hilarious. Uh, Mark. Uh, They go spelunking. Mark and, well, Stephen and uh, Layla go spelunking. Uh, Mark susses, susses out that Stephen seems to have feelings for Layla, which yeah. is a whole complicated, multi-layered thing. Yes, he does. And they do, they do actually have a little bit of sexy time, mm. you know, a little, she's getting a little close. He's like, ooh, I like this, you know? Yeah. And he, he moves in for that awkward kiss. And uh, they rappel down into the tomb. Uh, they admire some statues while they're down there. And they 
uh, as they're exploring, they come across this room where uh, a man is dragged in by this mummy monster. Was this man one of um, one of Arthur Harrow's people? Was it one of his That's followers? Cool. I kind of like it. You only you kind of see his face like a couple brief shots. It seemed to me like it was the the cop guy who came like um, to arrest him at his apartment with you know that what was it Billy and Bobby or or Fitzgerald and Kennedy. It looked like yeah. One of I mean, it, he had like the beard. I know he's later on in the episode at the end, but I kind of thought that like that was him. He had that beard. But that, that's my only guess, to be honest. I don't know for sure. Maybe it was just a random henchman. Yeah, that, I'd, have to, I'd have to go back but, and rewatch but, it. But I felt like the guy you're talking about has, like, a very red beard. Um, oh, and that... I'm not sure. I don't... But I don't know. But he gets gutted. He gets eviscerated yeah. uh, by this mummy monster. But also, I wanted to point out, do you think that... What, what if Harrow's actually offering up his guys for sacrifice opposed to like i first i was like oh he got taken by the mummy but i kind of think harrow might have something to do with it and he's offering up the men to this to the god i think that is the case because what the other thing that stood out to me during this was how much the guy was didn't seem to really register what was going on he wasn't really protesting all that much when the thing like stabs him in the stomach he doesn't cry out in pain or anything it's just like oops like yeah and he's like ripping his organs down, putting them in the like jars on the side or you know, what they, I don't know, I forget what they call them, but canopic they, jars. They, they're called canopic jars. Yeah. And they put the organs in. So he was like dropping an organ in there. And the guy, like, dude, I'd be like, like just wailing in pain, you know? It's almost like he, like, isn't like, like either he sedated in some way or like was willing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's very weird. It's interesting. But I thought, yeah. Um, and then, uh, of course, they get the attention of the mummy monster. Uh, mm. It chases them. Layla uh, gets away, but then it catches up to her and she fights it. And like you said, she uses the flare, uh, just yeah. like burns its face off with the flare. <laughs> the little, like, I think like the creepy, that whole scene was really creepy. You glazed over it, but I, I know it's all like, one big thing but Mm -hmm. like the way that the monster's like kind of stalking her over the ledge and then they you know get to the dark opening and he reaches out it's so it was so like horror movie-ish it was really cool and those that like that like echo location click noising like click noise that the he was making the mummy was so it was so cool so it was just creepy and weird and i thought that the vibe was really awesome it was cool. It was a cool monster. Really cool design. Yeah, it absolutely was. It was great. Uh, but but not strong enough to beat Layla. Layla's nah. too badass. Layla's a badass. Put a flare in her hand, it's over. It's going <laughs> to light you up. Like Thor's hammer. <laughs> uh, then we go to Steven, because they get split up. And Steven is um, looking, he's approaching uh, this the tomb uh they're going deeper and mm-hmm. he's going deeper and deeper into the tomb and he's looking for a tomb fit for a pharaoh and he's like counting off like there's tutmos two nefertiti and then he finds this room full of relics that uh he his first reaction is uh, are these macedonian 
and he doubts that that's even possible, and then he looks at them closely, and yes, it is Macedonian, which tells him that this is indeed the long-lost tomb of Alexander the Great. Sorry, Alexander the Great. Mm, (laughs) Yeah. Um, Did you know that Alexander the Great was buried in an Egyptian tomb? I had absolutely zero idea, to be honest, and I didn't think that Alexander the Great had much to do with Egypt at all, really, but apparently he... I mean, just from the things I've heard from people talk about, apparently he was very much into Egypt and wanted to be buried that way, apparently, and no one knows where his body truly is. Yeah, I'm I'm reading that um, his... It was meant to be entombed in Macedonia, but it first resided in Memphis, Egypt, in a gold sarcophagus filled with honey. Oh, okay, so... Yeah. Wow, that sounds delicious. Mm. I thought I kind of thought like this is just a thing that the show was playing around with to be like you know I don't know just creating some sort of fictional history but um, I mean obviously there aren't real mummies and stuff like that but I think it's based on something real yeah it, it definitely yeah. got me really curious because I I never would have connected Alexander Great is like the last person I would have thought of when, when he's like this the hidden tomb of, and I was like, oh, who, who is this going to be? Uh, Rama Tut? I, somewhat, like, I don't know, something from, I don't know, anything but Alexander the Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have been less surprised if he said Emotep from the 1999 <laughs> Mummy movie with Brendan Fraser. Exactly. Oh my God, it's the long lost tomb of The Rock. <laughs> <laughs> the Scorpion King. Oh God. Scorpion King. <laughs> moon. Then... Layla is, uh, she's a little bit tired from her fight with this, uh, terrible undead thing. And, uh, she, she kind of does this cool, like, like this primal scream after she, she defeats it and she's laying there. And then, um, she is being pursued by Arthur, who's just sort of slowly cane walking towards her and taunting her, uh, about her father. Abdullah El Fauli, the mm-hmm. um, he he call, I think he calls him Egypt's most unique archaeologist. Yeah, and says uh-huh. uh, that uh, he used to call her my little scarab. Um, he mentions that uh, when he was uh, maybe I have this the details fudged here, but when he was killed. He was wearing, mm-hmm. like, a fuchsia scarf with scarab details that looks like it was handmade, uh, presumably by his daughter. Um, and really? I missed that detail, too. I wish uh, I could fill you in. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so that's that's sort of what lets her know somehow. I, I should have watched the episode again, but that's <laughs> well, sort I, of what lets her know that Mark was involved in his death. That is like, here, let me, uh, here, we could cut like some of this mumbling out, but hang on. I made a little note about this. Uh, so where are we? Harrow kind of like says that, you know, a bunch of, of like mercenaries killed, killed your father. He, I think he actually says that. And then yeah. he alludes to the fact that Mark is involved mm-hmm. and lets Layla put it together. And she says, so it was Mark. And then like Arthur says, he actually uh, says, you said it. Like, he never actually is the one who said it to her. She kind of alludes to it and lets her guess that it was Mark. Yeah, but that's I kind of 
think that he's trying to make her think that it's Mark, obviously, but he doesn't want to lie. Mm-hmm. So not actually going to say it himself. So that's kind of why he said, like, you said, it. you know, you said it. He's uh, so, he's using the truth and like manipulating. He's yes. a master manipulator. He's using oh, okay. enough of the truth to let her draw her own conclusion, which he knows is is not the full truth. Exactly. He's yeah. definitely leading her down a path of thoughts that he wants her to go down without saying it. So he can't claim, oh, I never said that, you know. So, yeah. yeah. That's kind of, kind of how he does it. And so then uh, she confronts uh, Stephen because uh, Stephen's still in control and he, he had just uh, – so actually I glossed over a, a major thing. Um, Stephen realizes that uh, – that it makes sense, I guess, that Alexander would be in this tomb because he he was the voice of Amit. Right. Um, and so he reaches reaches down his throat, basically, <laughs> yeah. to find this uh, uh, another another one of those. Um, what's it called? Ushapti. Ushapti. Yeah, that's it. Throat. Obviously, he was. And if we find out that, you know, oh, oh, they say Alexander the Great was Emmett's avatar, apparently. Mm-hmm. So his last avatar was a pharaoh. Or, no, Alexander the Great's not a pharaoh, but either way, you know, Alexander was, I think that's what they were alluding to. Yeah, I guess like that he, like, if he conquered that part of the world, he would have, I, I guess they would have referred to him as a pharaoh. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So he was buried that way, so he must have... Must have been some importance. Yeah. Yeah. Um Mar so yes, so Layla confronts Steve. Uh he's all excited to tell her about his discovery, and she is she has another a much bigger thing on her mind. Uh and so she keeps pushing him until um Mark will come out because she wants to talk to Mark about this. And so um uh, we see trip. we see like the reverse of what we saw last time, where Mark gave control to Stephen, but now we see Stephen giving control to Mark. Um, and Mark sort of clarifies that yes, he was there. He's not the one that killed her father. Uh, it was his partner who got greedy and decided to execute everyone at the dig site, including her father, and he couldn't stop him. Yes, and that also Mark was not and supposed to die as well, mm. which. He does make sure that he mentions because, yeah, he was he was definitely just part of he was a victim there too. It really mm-hmm. wasn't killing, and I think we're gonna find out a little more down the road of who it could have been. But I think there's several options. You want like maybe it could have been the alternate personality that mm-hmm. we haven't seen yet, which I think there is. We talked about last week. Jake Lockley, is that mm-hmm. what, it, what it is? Yeah, so what if maybe it's his alternate But I don't think that's, I don't think at this point that's going to be the case, but I think it's more going to involve Arrow. I think you're right. Um, the uh, Arrow shows up with a bunch of goons, and um, Mark manages to kill three of them with this axe that he pulls from yeah. the two. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, before Arthur shoots him with a pistol twice, and uh, he falls in this water, 
Um, and there's this really cool shot from like under the water of him like descending and sinking down and uh, and then it transitions into this weird low budge movie. Uh, <laughs> I was I thought something happened. I was like, what? <laughs> why is why is like my like the screen like got like like regular standard view without like the widescreen that was like grainy. I was like, what the fuck just happened? That mm. <laughs> was great. Um, the, so there's this like doctor guy and his assistant that like this very Indiana Jones type and they're, they're, they're traversing through this low budget jungle and they find this skeleton and, uh, one of them says, well, now we know what happened to Montalban. Um, and they come across the statue of Coyle's, Jesus, the statue of Coyle Jacques uh, the lunar god of the Aztecs. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that allows our the assistant to say, well, you know, I'm just uh, an assistant trying to do my best, but you're Dr. Stephen Grant. Oh. And then? Then it zooms out, the camera zooms out, and we are watching a low-budget movie on a, on a video screen, uh, on VHS, actually, in a big room with a lot of white uh, and... <laughs> linoleum and fluorescent lights and stuff and it's bingo night at the asylum ryan yeah it is and <laughs> things are crazy here and my first thought was like okay this is cool this is like is he crazy but then i'm you know you start watching the scene you're like okay i mean i know this is like an asylum kind of in a in a movie or a tv show but this is like, is this really like realistic? It's so like white and a lot of it just seems dreamy, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh man, they fucking did it. They did the shit where it's not real. God damn it. <laughs> but then I started like, you know, watching it a little more and I'm like, oh, you know what? No, no, I don't think so. Maybe this is actually the dream mm -hmm. and actually not the dream, but either some kind of purgatory or whatever this some judging zone between death i think it's more maybe something to do with like that than you know an, an actual asylum because at first i was i was like no 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 <laughs> but i don't think that i don't think we're gonna totally find out it's all fake i think you're right i think um i think that what we're gonna find out is that mark slash steven probably actually did spend some time in an asylum yeah. and this is That's just like drawing from that experience from like the memory of that part of his brain to create this illusion but i definitely yeah. think it's an illusion at the end of the day yeah, it, it definitely and it may be the responsibility of somebody else who knows mm. The uh, what the the way that the way that they film this this whole sequence is cool because it's like we're we're you know we like at first it's just the weird movie and it's as though we're watching it and like you said the aspect ratio changes then it zooms out and we find out oh we're actually watching this on a TV screen and then the camera starts moving around and we see the bingo guy like calling bingo uh, we see the, the same that's the mime guy from the street that's the is dude, it that, that's the guy with the paint yeah. Oh, good catch. I didn't even clock that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's another order. There's an orderly who is handing out very, very, like, gourmet-looking cupcakes. Yeah, um, they're the cup from the cupcake van that he stole in the first episode. Yep. Yeah. 
Uh, then we see Donna. Donna's in one of these chairs, like kind of lethargic, and she seems holding to be one of the a, patients. She's holding a little a plush scarab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we see the forger that Layla was talking about who made her passport, and she's drawing a bird that kind of looks like Kanchu. Yep. The hummingbird with Kanchu's face, like the hummingbird we saw at Arthur's at the at the cult place. They were watching all the videos, the hummingbird and the and the whales jumping. And oh, it was yeah. With oh, yeah. Good call. I missed that. Yeah. Uh, then we get to uh, Bobby and Billy. Are, I think they were like nurses or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, Layla is also in this asylum. Um, he is. And she comes up to Stephen, who's in a chair. His leg is chained to the chair, of course. Mm-hmm. And my favorite detail is he's holding a Moon Knight action figure. <laughs> yes, it's absolutely the best. It's like, a, like at first I was like, is this, is he projecting this? Is that what part of his, the whole the Moon Knight thing is just like his psycho fantasy is my Moon Knight figure and he's crazy and whatever. Mm. It, but I th- again, I think it's the other way around now that I'm. Yeah, I think I th- you're right. It, this, it, it's a cool it's a cool trick because it starts making you think like, oh, yeah, this could be building a reality where this whole time this character has been in, a, in an asylum and everything we've been seeing is just this fantasy uh, that they built up in their world. Because um, the, it is the, the show is serve, serviced by not having a lot of crossover with the other Marvel properties so far. Uh, yeah. We kind of meant we kind of discussed that last week. That like other than that GRC poster and mm-hmm. the mention of Madripoor, um, there's not a whole lot of stark connections to other things. So that makes it that makes it viable that this could all just be a fantasy. Absolutely, and I think they purposely do that to keep that vibe going because you know you start mentioning the blip and Tony Stark, and it's bringing you back out of that fantasy of this show, kind of, and I. Which also, uh, no, never mind. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. So the moment, the moment that I um, was certain that that's not the case is when he gets into uh, doc. He gets pulled into Doctor Arthur's office, and <laughs> yeah. uh, Doctor Arthur is talking about how like, oh, he's he's watching this movie again, and it's on this VHS copy, and it's so obscure. It's such an obscure yeah. movie. Not many people probably have seen it. And he says something about how um, no tree can ascend to the light of heaven if it doesn't descend to the depth. Oh, he's quoting the movie. He says he, he yeah. uh, the movie has an interesting villain who says uh, no tree can ascend to the unit of he- to the light of heaven if it doesn't descend to the depths of hell. Yeah. Um, and Deep. he also says uh, a thing that he said before when he when he shot. Mark, which is, I can't help you if you don't help yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so what clued me in that this is all an illusion is how cavernous this office is. It it doesn't okay. look like the rest of the asylum that they've shown us with all these sweeping camera shots so far. Um, yeah. It has this all of these ornate pieces of art yeah. that look like the canopic jars and the pottery and the relics that uh, they were just interacting in in the actual... Uh, team yep. that they were in moments ago. Um, much, yeah, much more large and vast and 
open opposed to the more confined of the inside of the asylum. Yeah. Or like, then you go into his office and like you said, big, more open cathedral, like concrete parts to it with, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. With like pillars and stuff. Great word. Love it. And he says to Mark, uh, we don't live in a material world. We live in a psychic world. We're only yeah. able to make indirect inferences about the nature of reality. Yeah. That's pretty deep. Mm. Everything. What he means is everything you experience, you'll see. It's all, it's all through the psychic. It's all about how you perceive it. So... Mm-hmm doesn't make a difference to physical it matters how you so that is what is real is what you see and what you experience that's the important thing yeah the uh, example he uses is a pen which he says like to me it's a tool yeah. but to a dog it's just a, ch- a chew toy um but both right both are right yeah it's just how they're <laughs> interacting with reality yep um mark is resisting and uh Dr. Arthur uh, mentions that, like, he's been heavily sedated because of his behavior, um, and it's, you know, because he doesn't want him to be a danger to himself, and it's just mm-hmm. trying to help him. And, and he, like, the only reason you had to do this is because of your own behavior, Mark. I just love, I just, I love the way Ethan Hawke plays the character in general, the whole Haro, Harrow, and and the uh, the psychologist guy. It's just so cool how he plays the calm but like just this menacing thing underneath it's so good Mm. great great performance and uh, Mark resists he falls out of the chair he's crawling and I definitely skipped over something important because the next thing I have written down is like the the literal ending but I know something else happens before that can you you get us there this is when I really started to be like okay this has got to be some fake because he runs down the halls and the, the hallways like tipping and the lights are like swings. And now I'm like, all right, this is, this isn't real. Cle- I mean, clearly. And then he escapes into one of the rooms and there's a uh, sarcophagus in there. This is the word I was talking about. Sarcophagus is plural. Sarcophagi or sarcophaguses. <laughs> oh, good question. Yeah. Yeah. I've always heard sarcophagi, but I don't really know. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, so he he's run, he's trying to escape, running down the halls, and then he runs into one of the rooms and one of the one of the sarcophagi is uh is shaking, you know, and he opens it up and old Steven's in there, you know. And then we have Mark and Steven like in two separate bodies. And they're like, Mark, Steven. And you what? know, they hug. One's in all white, one's in all black, thankfully, yeah. so the audience can tell. <laughs> of course. They all have the yin and yang, yin and yang thing going on this. Like, you know, the, a little bit of good, a little bit of evil. You know, you can't, you can't descend down or until you, or, you know, whatever. That's similar type stuff, you know, good and evil, bad and good. Need a little bad, need a little good. And then as they're, as they're making their way down this hallway, there's another sarcophagus shaking. And I got kind of excited because I was like, oh, who are we going to see pop out of this one? But they kind of just skip over that room. They're like, nope, don't want to deal with that, whatever that is. And I feel that's definitely going to be our Jake Lockley, the other person who, you know, has been doing, I, doing all the, you know, the killing and stuff. 
Yeah, have you noticed um, uh, in the end credits, whenever they show, uh, there's like this graphic of Mark's uh, face is churned and there's like three faces coming out of it? Exactly. There's always three, it seems. They showed the reflections in the first couple episodes. It would always show three Mm. in the museum and and running from that, the um, jackal. What is this, the first or second episode? First episode? Mm Mm-hmm. Stands in front of the casing for one of the displays, and it shows the, his two reflections staggered. Then him, and then he walks away, and there's still two left. Mm-hmm. But they've been hinting at like that they're third for like this whole show. Yeah. So I can't wait to find out like how this third personality is playing into the whole story, and what has he been doing for like? How is he playing into this? It's got to be is he is is possibly Mark's other personality of Jake or whoever, however they use it, name him or whatever. Is he maybe like I think we talked about this last week, or mm-hmm. maybe with Harrow possibly infiltrating Mark? You know, ah, uh, that would be just so cool. But, I think so too. There's uh, <laughs> it's but it's obviously Mephisto is the third oh, the third God, avatar, that's- obviously. He's behind it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. In fact, um, I thought of Mephisto at the end here and said it was a hippo. <laughs> it's Mahipsto. <laughs> that was terrible. That was absolutely. <laughs> but too, when, when <laughs> shit. Uh, 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 s- <laughs> uh, so yeah, they open the door and there is this hippo pharaoh standing there, and it just waves at them and says hi. And then it has the most, like, just this, like, sweet, like, innocent voice, too. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so, like, unexpected. And I was just, like, that was the most crazy, like, that was a crazy end shot to a show. Just, what the fuck just happened right there? But And uh, so now, listeners, welcome to a new section of the podcast that we like to call Hippopotamus Hypothesis. So, Ryan... <laughs> Uh, this this might be the one and only edition of Hippotamus Hypothesis, um, Ryan. What what do you? Or we could we I don't know. We could try to make it a regular uh, every episode thing. I don't know how, how quickly that well will run dry. But Ryan, what is your leading Hippopotamus Hypothesis right now? Well, I think that because this, I, I uh, man, I forget Towerette. Is that the name of the god Tower? She's like. The hippo, I forget, she's a, she's an Egyptian god, and it's the god of rejuvenation and regeneration, I believe. Uh, if this is if this is from, like, research that you did, I know, I, I didn't, yeah, I, I, did I have look, no idea, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I wish I had something to add. <laughs> no, that's all right. So I think that possibly because she is that the god of such things, that possibly she is there to help Mark get, be regenerated mm. come back god of regeneration coming back i do in either no matter how you look at it i think that it's not going to be an evil entity i think this is going to be something that's helping i think you're right it had like a very friendly face uh even though hippos are extremely yeah. dangerous and a very, very friendly voice so like yeah with yeah. sound like that it's just it's so friendly, so inviting. It's definitely going to be some kind of warming. Hey, listen, I'm I'm here to help you. Let's get your mind straight and get you back on course. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we can get back to the real world and see Moon Knight kick the shit out of 
some other avatar gods because I want to see some of that shit. <laughs> maybe, maybe this this god will ha- let will have Mark become its avatar so it can go back out into the real world. Oh, that's an interesting hippos. Hey, Ryan, that's a very interesting hippopotamus hypothesis. <laughs> yeah, it is. What about what about what's do you have a hip, hippopotamus hypothesis, Lou? <laughs> <laughs> it gets better every time you say it. Um, <laughs> my hippopotamus hypothesis uh, is that um, this is uh, actually one of the hungry, hungry hippos. Oh. Uh, I got tired of eating pellets. <laughs> and it wandered into um, it, act, it like wandered into uh, a, a restaurant, and unfortunately, uh, our society doesn't doesn't really do, it looks down on hippos being in restaurants. Yeah. So, especially. <laughs> especially hungry, hungry ones. Yeah. So it it uh, got caught by the authorities and locked away in an asylum, um, and yeah. I think that's the journey we're on. I think it's going to be an escape plan with Stephen, Mark, and Hippo. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Um, awesome. Is there uh, is there anything that we missed before we get to lose big three? No, no, no. Burn right through that sucker. Nice. Um, all right. So so Ryan, um, if you, oh yes, this is. Uh, all right, this is a section of the podcast we call Lose Big Three. Uh, there's some music. I won't make you sing this time because you gave us, you sang last time. Unless, you, unless you di- you're unless you dying to. Uh, uh, no. Okay, cool. So music cue. <laughs> you and me, it's Lou and me, it's Lose Big Three, yeah. Ooh. And we're back. Lose Big Three. Thanks for the theme song, Ryan. Hey. Uh, Lose Big Three number one. Ryan, if you could be the avatar of any god of your choosing... Uh, which one would you want to be? Oh boy, that's a good choice. Can I choose the hippo? Sure. I mean, I think that this hippo is badass, cool, friendly. I love, I like love and regeneration, and you know, so mm-hmm. I want to be rejuvenated, regenerated. And I believe, I mean, going off what I, I'm pretty sure I'm right on what this god is. So I'm gonna go with it. And not to mention, I kind of really like hippos and they're dangerous but yet they have a gentle inviting facade mm. so you know i kind of like it i'm in i'm in the awesome. avatar uh, hippos <laughs> <laughs> excellent um yeah. i i think that uh man i actually didn't even think of an answer to this question i just thought of the question um, I, also, I also can i add I kind of also thought about that, the one from the last episode, the god of the, of the music. Oh, yeah, Hathor. Yeah. Have like music and time and just, I think that would be beautiful and great because I love music. So I'm in on that too. I might even pick that over the hippo now that I'm thinking about it. Okay. Give me that, give me the music god. Episode. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good choice. Uh, I, ha- you know what? Yeah, but, thinking about it, Hathor is probably the one I would choose. Um, yeah. Or what about Thor, Thor? Like just the avatar of Thor. That'd be cool. Or like Thor Odinson? Yeah. Oh, I mean, hell yeah. There's already, there's already a Thor and uh, coming later this year, another Thor. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I don't know. I could be third Thor. I could be Thor 3. Yeah, there's plenty. You can be Beta Ray Bill. 
Beto right. O'Bill. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, Ryan, the movie that uh, this is Lose Big Three number two. The movie that's playing that uh, apparently uh, Mark is obsessed with, and according to Doctor Arthur Harrow, is how he created this persona of of Stephen Grant. Um, the What's movie it? is called Tomb Buster. Tomb Buster, right. Now, we've, we've, we've seen uh, the Indiana Jones movies, and they made several sequels to, to the first Indiana Jones. So, mm-hmm. Ryan, if they made a sequel to Tomb Buster, what would it be called? It would be called Tomb Buster 2. Bustin', Bustin' Tombs. T-W-O-M-P-S. Ah, there it is. <laughs> oh, d- yes. Perfect. Perfect. Hollywood, give us a call. Please, for the we'll, love of God. We will, we will write your fake sequel to your fake movie. Austin Tombs. <laughs> oh, that's genius. Uh, I have nothing else to offer because that's perfect. Um... <laughs> All right, lose big three, number three. This is the big question. We've discussed it a little bit. Um, but has this whole entire show just, uh, like that one episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, just been inside of the hero's head? I Oh, my God, this is, it's, because I don't know the details how to fill in, but I, I think there are aspects of what's going on that are fake and some that are real. Mm. I don't know how to exactly explain to you what I mean by that and what's real, what's fake. I don't know. But I think it's going to be some kind of combination of, of, of both. I think what we actually are seeing in the show is really happening. Mm-hmm. But maybe a lot of what we've seen between Mark, Steven, and the transferring and stuff is going to be a little bit of a twist and a surprise. I, and I, I, I don't know exactly what, but I don't think it's all fake because I think most people know nowadays that that will make a lot of people angry. I think if it's yeah. unless you do it in some kind of really smart way that's really cool, I, I just can't see how when you sit through a whole show and then they tell you that none of it was real, it just makes you never want to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a it's a tr- it's like a trick you can only pull once, and it was already pulled like years and years ago in terms of like television and pop culture and stuff. So yeah, it's, it'd be it's, really hard to pull it off and, and have it be you satisfying. Can't, you can't do that again ever. Unless it's like I said, unless you come up with some really original way to do it, you know, I, I can't, I don't even know what that could be, but again, leave it to them to tell me. I, I do trust the writers of the show. And however, the, I don't want to say if they do that, I'm going to hate the show. I just, I have to see how it's done and stuff, but I don't think, I just don't think that in modern days that you can have a cop out like that completely Mm -hmm. that being the answer to the show. It just, there's no way, right? Come on. Do you think that it's uh, the whole asylum thing is, is similar to like a Loki situation or like a WandaVision situation where it's either like all this just illusion magic. um, And so he's just sort of covering up, the literal material tomb and the pillars and the stone and all, all the relics and everything with the sheen of white linoleum and fluorescent lights and everything that looks like makes it look like an asylum. No. Um, or do you think it's more of like a WandaVision thing where it's like he's sort of, he's like entered his brain 
and yeah. is controlling like what the reality that he sees in front of him. I think it's more that it's more in in his head. I think it's it may have something to do with the fact that this is the brief. This is almost like the split second between his death and you know he's dying and his. This is his brain putting it all together. Maybe kind of mm-hmm. it could be kind of some kind of judgmental thing in between his death and whatever comes next. Mm. And it's all being played out instantly kind of And for us. It's played out in a story, but it's all going through his head very quickly flashing before his eyes type thing, maybe. Um, But if it is, if it, and if Harrow's involved, like I said, I think it's more like in his head, it's not physically the, it's not like a physical change in the environment really it's it's all in in his head mm. all right yeah uh awesome so that is um moon knight season one episode four the tomb um mm-hmm. before we wrap up though oh wait oh. yes okay sorry before we wrap up uh of course we've got to do we've got to recast the episode um and we also have a bit of hate mail that we got to read. So uh, let's do let's do the recasting first. So Ryan, if we were to recast any two characters from this episode of uh, of of mm-hmm. Moon Knight, who would they be? Um, who would be Whoopi Goldberg and who would be Danny DeVito? And how would it improve the episode? Right. Whoopi Goldberg is always difficult for me, but let me tell you, I will say Danny DeVito would would play would play the hippo god. But they use they they use the the, the uh, what do they do when they use the cameras to make the person look kind of like what they did with uh, uh, Peter Dinklage in Infinity War. So they use it to the camera angles and to, to perspective, forced perspective, yeah, perspective to make Danny DeVito look big like a hippo. I That's think that he, I think he'd do great. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Effects. I'll help you out with Whoopi Goldberg. It's uh, Dr. Stephen Grant in, in Tomb Buster. Oh, God, yeah. No, she'd nail it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, awesome. So, Ryan, we have a very exciting piece of hate mail uh, today oh. that was uh, written by a previous contributor of uh, hate mail, Gooey Lee. So, oh. Gooey Lee wrote in again and also Goo- gave us another, in my opinion, Really good uh, matchup to talk about. So, uh, so Ryan, do you want to read uh, the, the latest bit of hate mail that we received? Listeners, don't forget if you wanna if you wanna be part of this conversation and uh, send and send in some hate mail, tell us what we got wrong, how dumb we are, all of that stuff. Uh, go ahead and write in to robosvdinos at gmail.com and uh, we will do. read it on air for you. Okay. All right. Here we go, folks. This is a little bit of hate mail. Hey, what's up, Robots vs. Dinosaurs? Gooey Lee here, and I'm writing in to clear a few things up. First of all, I listened to your last few episodes, and as much as it pains me to admit this, your comprehensive coverage and exciting fan theories about Moon Knight are way better than every other Marvel TV podcast I listen listen to. You guys are the best. I hate your... I hate your stinking guts, the both of you, but I can't deny you're the best at what you do. Ah, gooey. <laughs> Why, you ask, do I hate your stinking guts? <laughs> you sound like... <laughs> Sounds like what? You 
sound like Quicksilver in WandaVision. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Gooey does. All right. So what you asked do I hate? Why do why you asked do I hate your stinking guts? It's because you accused you accused me, Gooey Lee, of being an alter ego of host Luigi, who writes hate mail into the show while he's sleeping. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, it's quite the opposite. My theory is that when I go to sleep at night, some disassociated part of my brain takes over, wakes up, and records a high-quality podcast with excellent guests and insightful commentary. That's not the only reason I hate you. It's also because one of you jabronis said the T-800 could beat a brontosaurus in a fight. I can't believe you got it wrong. That was a question for babies. And speaking of babies, maybe I'll ask an easier question that even a couple of dumb infants like used tos can get right. Instead of the T-800 and the adult brontosaurus, what if the fight was between Wally and a baby brontosaurus, a.k.a. Littlefoot from the land before time? Once again, great show, five stars, Wally versus Littlefoot. Who you got? Gooey Lee. All right, that's mm-hmm. a good question. Um, I am gonna I'm gonna ignore everything else Guili said because uh, he's obviously wrong. It's if anything, he's an alter ego of mine. But I don't think that's true because why would I why would I write all of this stuff in and like praising myself, but also saying that I hate the show or that I love the show, but I hate the host? It doesn't make any sense. All yeah. over the back so, and forth. Why would I do? Why would I spend my time doing that? Come on! Yeah. Uh, but this is a great question. This is a really good robot versus dinosaur matchup. Because on the one hand, we've got the futuristic w- robot Wally, and we have the prehistoric uh, star 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 tree star. Oh God! Star- what is what is the thing that Littlefoot wants? The star is this tree star. Tree star. Yes, the tree star eating. <laughs> Uh, goodness, <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen that movie. The tree star eating uh, baby brontosaurus, Littlefoot. So, yeah. Ryan, who do you think is going to win this fight? Listen, this is a really tough one, and they're both like quite—they're both quite docile creatures. Mm-hmm. They're both nice. They're both very. It's hard to—it's hard for me to really see either of them getting in a fight to the death, but. If they were put into the case where they're going to fight to the death, it would be, it would be a really lame fight, to be honest. <laughs> there would be a lot. There would be very little fists thrown, necks swatted at, tails swooshed. But basically, I think it all comes down to the fact that they would continue to fight and fight and fight for years, years, years. It would never end because the fact that they, they're just both so nice, so cool. They're both such friendly characters. They would fight and they'd fight, but in the end, Wally's going to win. And you know why? Because Wally's not going to ever die, okay? So he's just going to fight, outlast the dinosaurs and wait till they're extinct, and bam, Wally wins. Boom! (laughs) All you got to wait it out, you wait it out. He's a robot that's a dinosaur. Just fight him, fight him. He's going to eventually die. <laughs> so, so it's a win by attrition, basically. It's really a win by default kind of thing. Just, yeah, there's no... Can you see either of them being violent? Because I can't. I really can't. In a fight to the death? Yeah. And, he, and so oh. here's the thing. Wally, Wally is not programmed to fight. Like, he's not... 
uh, he's not built. He he doesn't have any weapons. He wasn't built with any weapons. Um, he does like accidentally squish his little cockroach friend at the beginning of the movie, but then uh, the, even the cockroach is fine. So that's not even like a. It's, we can't even say that like his treads are all that dangerous. Um, I deliberately did not choose Eva because uh, that thing has like a plasma gun and can make craters yeah. in the ground and. Um, that it would easily be a win. Um, Wait, updated too many too many software updates on that one. <laughs> yeah, and also I don't want I don't want Littlefoot to have any of his friends around because he's got like a Triceratops and like Spike and no. a, a flying pterodactyl. So like, if it was like I don't know if it was all Littlefoot and all his friends versus Wally and all his friends, that might be a more interesting fight. Um, mm-hmm. But if it's just a cage match between these two, I think you're right that it would go on for a very long time because neither of them would no be. No one has a glow that can destroy them, you know? Neither <laughs> of them are very bloodthirsty in the first place. And yeah, neither of them really has like a powerful crushing attack to use, uh, <laughs> mainly due to their size. Yes. So, but, so I think you're right. As long as they're outdoors. Wally is eventually going to win because he's recharged by solar energy. Now, if Little Fight, if Little Fight, if Littlefoot, this is a little fight between two little things. If Littlefoot is able to draw him into like a cave or like underground or, you know, anywhere that's covered and the sun can't get to it, Littlefoot <laughs> might might have the advantage. Yeah. You think so? I think so. And the other here's the other thing. Here's why I think Littlefoot would win this fight. Um Littlefoot at the end of the day is an animal. It's a biological being. Mm-hmm. Wally Wally the first law of robotics is like to not harm living things, right? He get, he's so remorseful when he accidentally runs over uh uh what's his name, the little cockroach. That's kind of true. So I think if Littlefoot's backed into a corner, some like primal feral side is going to come out and he's going to he's going to do what he needs to do to win. I, I don't know, man. I think uh, I love Wall. I love both of these these characters, but I think Littlefoot would take it. All right, I can respect that. I can respect that. Um, I I agree to disagree, but that's okay. You know, we're all here. We all have different opinions. <laughs> that's true. I'm sure Gooey Lee has a, has an opinion as well because he told us we were wrong about our last match. He didn't say who he thinks would win this one. So maybe maybe next week he'll. Yeah. Write us another piece of hate mail and, and clarify that. Yeah. Or maybe we'll hear from uh, uh, Lion Tra- Lion Lion <laughs> Roller again. <laughs> Please, God, I hope he writes it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, Lion Roller, if you're listening, let us know who you think would win this match. Oh, uh, shit, that's cool. Um, and let us know what you thought about our assessment of uh, Johnny Five versus a pack of Velociraptors. Uh, listeners, if you don't know what we're talking about, then you somehow skipped over our last episode. So you need to go back and watch that. And uh, just like Gooey Lee, give us a five-star review. Damn right. Five stars. Five stars. All right. Um, so I think that's going to I think that's gonna do it for this episode. It was a quick uh, in and out. It was a very action-packed episode. Um, really yeah. good action. But uh, the, the main thing to talk about was the whole ending and... Really, yeah. The whole thing was like an Indiana Jones, Tomb Raider, like National Treasure episode, like for the first part. And then like, bam, what the fuck happened? You know, so it was pretty cool that um, we went this whole episode and it's it's just 
Mark and Steven. It's not like no transformation, nothing, yes. no like supernatural fight uh, at any I, point. I thought that was really cool too. We went a whole episode of Moon Knight without any Moon Knight, and it was still a great episode. Mm. That uh, that's again, again, I I just recapping. I I love this show. I think I think this. I love a show that just keeps me on the edge of my seat, thinking like, what is going on? Which is kind of exactly where we were in Wandavision, watching this. Like, what it like? We were always like, every, what is going on? Especially after episode four. Again, mm. it's always to be episode four like the the breakthrough episode so yeah you predicted that last week so you're spot on hell yeah uh so wait. what'd you say can't wait for the last two um so yeah listeners uh we have two episodes of moon Knight left which means that there are two more episodes of robots versus dinosaurs covering it so make sure you get your hate mail in while you can absolutely send it even if you have some love mail to take that too yeah if you insist on singing our praises and telling us how great we are we won't we won't reject it we'll still read that no. on air no. we'll take it we can take that too along with the hey we can take some love just a little though yeah um all right so ryan thanks for thanks for talking to me about uh, moon Knight again and uh yeah. we'll, we'll see you next week absolutely lou see you next week to episode five Woo. I've used a flare zero times as a weapon in my life. Here's the thing. Wally Wally is not programmed to fight. Your mama was a snowblower. The moon night time is the moon right time. I am justice. It's not an accent. This is how I talk. Dude, he's going <laughs> to cut all the heads off the velociraptors and it's all over.